Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that did not sign a contract, a free agent contract over the last week. There was no Hanukkah miracle for us. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Ah, just that is that is what it would take a Hanukkah miracle uh, to get us signed, uh, even in this free agent market where great players are flying off the board uh, left and right. We do not qualify. We are going to likely be uh, January or February signings. Yes, we have a lot to get to since our last uh, episode of Baseball Barbacast, and we will be diving into all those signings. And of course, no trades. Trades are, are, are not allowed unless they involve the Brewers stealing a player. <laughs> the entire league has a no trade clause for the whole offseason. It does. It does seem that way, but we, we can maybe talk about that later. Uh, we have some we have some big ones to get to, of course. We're going to talk about Carlos Rodon, Dansby Swanson, Andrew Benintendi. I haven't thought really about him at all, and he he signed uh, in there. We got a bunch of one-year hitter deals that we're going to compare. Of course, we're going to talk about Austin Hedges to the Pirates. We have Ooh. a very exciting Petey the Donkey update that I cannot wait to do more uh, Petey uh, discourse. We will indeed talk about the World Cup because it was excellent sports, and we would like to <laughs> discuss it a little bit, uh, and then we will say goodbye. But Jake, let's begin. With you know, you know, I hate when I say this, but let's say it. Our good friend Carlos Rodon has signed a large contract worth many U.S. dollars, uh, 162 million to be exact, to be the number two starter on the New York baseball Yankees. My biggest takeaway: lunch is on Carlos. <laughs> Next time we forever. see him, forever. You know, Jordan. There, I remember last year. I did go to lunch with Carlos in New York City when he was with the Giants and they were visiting and you know, we sat down and we we got pastrami and then mm-hmm. the check came and I pretended to to get it. Like mm-hmm. and he was like, No, 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 I got this. I was like, like oh, at that you point, sure? he was like he was yeah. he was only making what, twenty million? Eighteen? <laughs> yeah. I, I you know, he's got kids. I didn't want him to go and solve oh, it. That's true. So I that's offered. True. But he he I said I'd get him back. But hey. now yeah. it's on him. Hey, it is on him. But guess what? This is not about us, Jake. We can talk about what Carlos. It's not. It's just not. They're Yankees fans. They don't give a shit that you had lunch with Carlos. They give a shit that they have Carlos Rodon on their baseball team. And I got to say, coming into this offseason, yes, we were, of course, focused on Aaron Judge. Let's retain Aaron Judge. And yes, you know, Jameson Tyon is a free agent. But for them to decide, hey, the best way for us to look awesome is to actually add to what is already a strength 
is an interesting decision. And yes, there's a lot of offseason left, but when you look at the other free agents out there, there are not a lot of free agent hitters left out there. Maybe there's a trade. But for them to decide, actually, we're going to make what is already a strength of ours, which is our pitching staff, and make it that much scarier and make it what would you say is what a top three rotation of baseball, a top five, a top one? I don't know if we need to decide that now, but damn, that is a good looking pitching staff as it stands right now. When this offseason began, we talked about how bringing back Aaron Judge was not enough, that bringing back Judge and Rizzo and running out the same team that got pantsed by Houston two months ago was not going to get the job done. Now, what might get the job done is a top 10 pitcher in the world that might get the job done. Now, you said that Carlos Rodon is going there to be the number two. And I think on paper, that is very much true. I think that is something that Garrett Cole believes. I think that is something that the Yankees believe. But what is important to know is that that is not something that Carlos Rodon believes. I'm not (laughs) saying that him and Garrett Cole are going to butt heads. I think they'll be fine or whatever. Carlos Rodon is not showing up to spring training with the Yankees being like, all right, give me the ball in game two of of a postseason series. His mentality is is I'm going to shove enough that you have to give me the ball in game one of a playoff series. Oh, 100%. And, you know, I I just wrote about for Fox that he I think he has a strong case for being the best left-handed pitcher in the league. And, you know, statistically, he's been every bit as good, if not better, than Garrett Cole. Now, certainly bulk-wise, this is where Garrett Cole stands out. And in some ways makes you appreciate Garrett Cole that much more because of how unbelievably durable he's been throughout the course of his career since he was the number one overall pick, right? It is a great contrast here. I wrote a little bit about, when I wrote about uh, Carlos's case for the best left-hander, comparing him to David Price, who also was a top three pick, uh, one of the best left-handers in the game. And but Price was good immediately, always healthy. And, you know, he signed an extension. He made a bunch of all-star teams, won a Cy Young, and then he got $200 million. Carlos was a much bumpier road, but he, you know, he peaked at the perfect time. He cashes out now, and he's peak, he's peaking still, right? He he just put together his healthiest season. He looked as good as ever. And now, like, I mean, this is going to a team that is 100% going to need him pitching huge games, which sure you could say he sort of had that opportunity with the White Sox, but it was a very different situation. And then, you know, didn't get to do that with the Giants in 2022 is is perfect. And, and I just can't wait to see him really, really show it off because not that people weren't watching the Giants this year uh, or the White Sox last year, but I really think people are going to understand how good Carlos Rodon is now very quickly. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. And the energy matches the Bronx. Like, cold winter October you know he's getting out of a jam in the fifth and like screaming at no one in particular it's going to be outstanding to watch uh we have it on good authority uh as of right now Jordan yeah Carlos Rodon uh, seems to be going in the mustache direction he (laughs) is a well-known beard haver over -hmm. the last couple years now obviously as a member of the New York Yankees that is gone but he seems to be going the Nestor Cortez Don Mattingly, Matt, Matt Carpenter. Carpenter route. Yep. Yeah. And and we'll see. We'll see if maybe that's he's 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 trying stuff out. Of course, there's a big adjustment for him, facial hair wise. Um, but I agree. In terms of in terms of the roster fit, um, it is it is a it is a clean one. It is a good one. And and yeah, I mean, we're looking at right now just Cole Rodon, Severino healthy, you know, but should should be hundred percent next year. Nestor, an all-star. Um, and then Montas, who I'm not, of course, not a huge fan of, but Montas is your five. If he's healthy, he's pretty damn good. 
this is a rotation where all five guys could be an all-star. Mm-hmm. Legitimately, right? If they are their best selves, they could all be all-stars. Now, that will never happen. That is not a thing that happens in baseball. One of them will probably get hurt. Mm-hmm. One of them will, will underwhelm. Mm-hmm. One will be very good. And then two will be dominant, right? And we don't know who that'll be. But what adding Rodon does is it gives you so much more leeway, right? Just it bumps everyone down a level. It takes the pressure off everyone's shoulders. Adding a guy like Carlos at the top of his game also makes it easier for like the pitching development, the pitching staff, pitching coaches, because it's not about how do we get Carlos Rodon to be great. It's how do we keep Carlos Rodon great. Let's just keep him on the field. It's much more about the <laughs> the training staff than it is Matt Correct. Blake. <laughs> Correct. Exactly, right? Yeah. And you tinker and you fix some things and whatever. But this is all about let's make sure that Carlos Rodon is healthy and ready to go in October. Jordan, does this make the Yankees the favorite in the AL East on opening day? Uh, yes, I think so. And I think that that still has more to do with we're still waiting on Toronto to make maybe one more big move that they haven't quite done. I do think Toronto's really, really good, and I think we we could end up with that, it being closer than that. But but right now, I mean, they are they are very deep, and and just this pitching staff advantage right now is is really really impressive. So yeah, I think I think it's, they're pretty comfortably the favorite. I, I would still take Houston overall right now, just because I think the offense is way more balanced. But you know, in the AL, but no, I, I think in the East, I think so. Yeah. All right, let's head over to the National League, a league that contains the Washington Nationals, named after them. But we will not be talking about the Washington Nationals because they suck eggs. Let's talk about the Chicago Cubs, who inked Dansby Swanson, former Braves shortstop, to a seven-year, $177 million contract, a very biblical contract full of sevens, the number of the Old Testament. The fourth shortstop on the board, definitively fourth, Signs a deal to go to the Cubs. Jordan, what was your uh, initial thought when you saw this one? Well, well, my first thought is I'm glad the Cubs got it done. More yeah. on that in a second. My second thought was that is ha- literally half of Carlos Correa's deal. <laughs> is Danzy Swanson half as good as Carlos Correa? I would say no. I would say he's way more than half as good. Um, look, there is a reason that Swanson was considered fourth in this pecking order. It's that he just had his first and only clearly above average offensive season. This is a guy who has had a great defensive reputation always. Um, Is he the best defensive shortstop in baseball? Like outs above average would suggest this year. Maybe, maybe not, right? He's a great defensive shortstop. He strikes out a lot, but he does hit for legitimate power for the shortstop position. And what I do think is the most important, and this was, this was kind of floating around when we were seeing the, the Dansby comparisons. I, I love that this dude plays every freaking day. And that's yeah. not even an old school thing. Like not even just compared to Correa or compared to Bogarts, who also is really, really durable. Um, and Turner, who has been largely durable too. But this isn't just durable, um, just you know, above average durable. I mean, he's as durable as, as we've seen of, of basically any player in the league for the last three, four years. And I think that matters. And I think for, for if you are going to commit to, to someone, even if he's not, even if the ceiling isn't as high, at least you know he is going to be there and he is going to be delivering almost guaranteed two, three, four win performance just based on the fact that he is going to play shortstop 160 times and he's going to play good defense. That alone basically gets you to two and a half wins. And signing Swanson doesn't make the Cubs the favorite in the NL Central, but it certainly 
gives them a chance to win the division. And if things break right, you could see them make a trade at the deadline. And it's certainly uh, inching forward on a path towards contention. Do you think Cubs fans, satisfied is probably the wrong word, Mm -hmm. but is this an optimistic offseason for them? Does it push things in the right direction? Are you going to sleep at night as a pretend Cubs fan, Jordan? Put your self in the mind of someone who likes going to Wrigley Field regularly. Yeah, I, I I do feel like it have have they delivered has this been enough spending to where it feels like they have delivered on their promise that we are now pushing forward? I would say yes. I would say yes. It's certainly more than some of the other teams like like the Mariners and Orioles have spent, right? Which is very little um, in terms of free agent, uh, you know, really pushing the chips in. And so, yeah, I mean, Tyon Bellinger, Tyon Bellinger and and Swanson is is a pretty good trio. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't necessarily bring you up to the the star level ceiling that the that the Cardinals clearly have and just demonstrated. Um, at the same time, I, I do think in this division where there are going to be a lot of wins to be had just by playing the Reds and Pirates, um, this this is a really nice step. And I do think that there still is the problem here where when you also look at who they have kind of coming up, there's also not necessarily one. I mean, you know, Brennan Davis is good and maybe PCA forces away, but it's not like there's like one piece that they can add midseason where it's like, holy shit, now it's go time. Uh, prospect wise. And so that is also a little bit of a concern. They could still use another, another agent or two, even if it is like a Conforto type, like there's, there are a couple more moves they still could make, even if there aren't that many really exciting free agents out there that would make me feel even better about it. At the same time, if I'm ranking this off season, I think it's a B, I think it's a B plus. And based on where they were three weeks ago, where it was total, just like, and even before the winter meetings where it was like, what are we doing? How are they said they would spend and they're not doing it. I think that's a pretty good recovery. Bottom four in their lineup is still, let's go bottom five. Bellinger, Christopher Morrell, Matt Matt Mervis, who we like, but we don't know. Matt Mervis is a good one. I'm glad you mentioned him because he is is a bit of a long card here. Matt Matt Mervis is is one of the crazier developmental developmental stories we've had in in minor league baseball the last couple of years. This was an undrafted uh, guy who signed. He was at Duke, um, like an an older, I believe he was a senior, uh, senior at Duke. And unsigned in 2020, five-round draft. Again, he was a big first baseman, not exactly the kind of guy you would waste one of your five picks on. He signed with the Cubs, and then in 2021, he was not that good. But then this year, I don't know what he did between 21 and 2022. One of the best seasons in minor league baseball, hit all the way to AAA. He got better every time he moved up a level. He got better, ended with 40 doubles, 36 home runs, and then went to the fall league and, and hit another six homers in 17 games. I mean, this is a first baseman only, maybe an out, uh, you know, right fielder, but this is a legitimate, at the very least, like platoon, big league ready bat right now. And I know you might be thinking, oh, well, it just it sounds like it could just be Frank Schwindel or Patrick Wisdom, maybe. But still, for this, guy to be an, for this guy to be undrafted two years ago and turn himself into that is incredible and, yeah. and really exciting. So, shout out to the The point remains: it goes Bellinger, Morel, Jan Gomes, Alfonso Rivas. So, like <laughs> that team, that group of five is probably not going to win the division. And when I look at the the payroll, like this is the most underwhelming $181 million team I've ever seen. And I think that's a good thing, right? That they are willing to spend money to be competent enough to put themselves in a position to maybe make the postseason. Yeah. But it's not sexy and it's not necessarily inspiring. Yeah. I think that to- comes next year once 
I think Strowman comes off the books. Right. I, I think he's think uh Jason Hayward's $22 million mm-hmm. comes off the books. Mm-hmm. You have Kyle Hendricks's $14 million coming off the books. Bellinger will come up. So like they're not locked in long term, which no. is a good thing because they can get free agents the next couple seasons. So yeah, yeah. I, I, in general, I like what this team is doing. Yeah, and you may look, I mean, Ian Happ was an all-star. Like the top, and Horner's awesome. Everyone's now gonna realize, like, oh damn, Nico Horner's really good. It's the pitching that I'm still really underwhelmed by. And and I love Jameson Tyon, but he's not exactly I don't think he's really moving the needle for them. Um he's he's good stability, but he's again, it's not like <laughs> I, I don't trust really anyone in their rotation to go out and win <laughs> postseason game. So that, that but again, they're not really at that point yet. So it's it's I totally agree with you. It's nice to see them spending to get to we should be pretty okay. And the Cubs just make so much fucking money even right. when they're not good. Because yep. people go to the games even when they're not good because it's Wrigley. And it's really expensive to go to Wrigley. And so they're raking in the dough and they own all the land and the, all the real estate around there. And so they're making money off of that. And it's good to see that being reinvested into the team to give it a more entertaining product, even if they're not going to win the World Series mm-hmm. in 2023. Let's head on to the south side, George. Well, I, I do. Before we before we go to Benintendi, I do want to quickly talk about the teams oh. that didn't get Swanson because Swanson, again, I think he's a really good player. Did he maybe just have his career year? Maybe. I think offensively, Wrigley could be could be good for him, could be not. We'll see. Um, the Braves have a very interesting shortstop uh, open opening now that we'll see if they end up filling it via free agency, if they go with Von Grissom. It does seem like – I mean, this is a deal that – I mean, it's not that that crazy, but they, they were clearly content letting him go and going maybe more short-term. Short I mean, were you surprised that 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 Swanson was was out the door there, and then and also the Twins? I kind of wanted to mention also, but go ahead. Yeah, let's talk about the Braves. No surprise. Yeah, this is how their GM Alex Anthopoulos operates, mm-hmm. right? And the ruthlessness of the approach has made the Atlanta Braves the Atlanta Braves. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, you can look at that strategy and say two franchise out, like two franchise icons out the door. In back-to-back off-seasons. Freeman last year. Swanson this year. That's not fair to the fan base. What do they have to cheer for? Then you pull up their roster. <laughs> and you're like, oh. And it's, it's like, okay. oh. Acuna, Harris, Riley, Olsen. Yeah. yeah they're Yeah. That's It'll okay. And yeah. and this is, this is, to me, a really interesting comparison to the Red Sox. Where the Red Sox have been content. They traded Mookie. They let Bogarts go. It looks like Devers is going to be gone. And maybe they backfill it with guys that are also good and they win games, whatever. That's different than the Braves, where Braves fans will miss Swanson and missed Freeman, but they're still going to the yard to watch incredible players that they feel emotionally connected to. Who and have, already have, like, <laughs> have already been extended. Who've already been extended, right? You can buy a jersey. Yeah. And yeah. so from like a cultural perspective, I think losing Swanson isn't as big of a hit as you might have thought a year ago when they won the World Series. Now, from a baseball perspective, it's a little weird just because they don't have a no-doubt shortstop. Von Grissom came up last year at the uh, last couple of months of the season and hit pretty well, but he was playing second base. His defensive chops are not really close to Swanson. The other option is Orlando Arcia, who hasn't played shortstop, I think, since 2020 mm-hmm. for them. And then, yeah, they could go sign Elvis Andrews or you know Jose Iglesias or something like that. And they're still going to win 96 games. Like, this is the thing, <laughs> yeah, right? It's, Every not a, team, it's not a huge pressing right. deal. Yeah. Every team has a hole somewhere, except for the yeah. Astros. But every yeah. <laughs> team has a hole 
somewhere. And the Braves have basically said, that's okay. We'll put that hole at shortstop. I mean, I guess they also have awful Marcelo Zuna in left field yeah, right now. Yeah, so arguably more concern. important for them to address that, I would say. Um, but I will say it, it is just interesting because this will be the end of our Braves chat on this episode. They are one of three teams to not sign a major league free agent yet so far this winter. Um, them and, I mean, you could probably guess the other two. It's much, well, maybe you can't. The other two teams are the Marlins. Oh, yikes. And the Brewers. The Brewers have not. Of course, they've made some some trades that have improved their roster. But yes, those are the three teams that have not signed a major league free agent yet, which is just uh, kind of interesting. But I, I think Andrews is a great fit there. That would be that would be a fun one. Um, but they don't need it. I, I agree with you. Probably more important for them to get a left fielder. All right. Uh, also, Twins. I mean, yikes, Twins. We'll talk about Twins when we get to Joe Gallo. All right, let's move on to the White Sox. Ooh, the White Sox, who we were, we, we were kind of crushing them earlier this offseason after they let Jose Abreu go to the Astros despite saying he'll be a White Sox player forever. Um, and for a deal now that, like, I mean, I know he's older, but now I'm looking at the Abreu deal. I'm looking at like 10 teams. I'm like, wouldn't you like to do that instead of getting in some crazy bidding war for Bogarts or whatever? Um but hey, here we go. We spent a little bit of money, which I believe is the largest free agent contract in White Sox history. And it goes to Andrew Benintendi. This is very random in some ways, very appropriate in others. As I believe James Fegan pointed out, um, this is a good fit because they were terrible against right-handed pitching. They strike out a shit ton. And their defense in the outfield is horrible. So adding someone who is a very good outfield defender, who makes contact, and is he durable? Um, I think that's a bit of a question mark. I know it was a bit of a freak injury this year, but that's the other biggest uh, issue with the White Sox. A very interesting fit. Uh, what was your reaction to this one? Because this one kind of, kind of came out of nowhere. We had heard no rumors about, about him team. at all. Not just the White no Sox, buzz. right? Yeah. yeah. It's from the rafters. Yeah. This is fascinating because from a baseball perspective, it's a perfect fit. Like you said, they have not had a corner outfielder able to catch a ball in like five years. They've just been putting first baseman in left and right field. Except when Angle is in, in right field in the eighth inning. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And so that'll be really nice for White Sox fans, right? Ball in the left center gap. Oh, Ben Attendee tracks it down, right? Yeah. Like not even a dive drama. play. Yep. It's going to be great. It's going to make contact, hit at the top of the order. Great fit there. Culturally, super weird fit in that clubhouse. <laughs> Very odd addition. Ben Attendee being around him is very like straight and narrow, mm -hmm. very uh, to the point, mm -hmm. uh, very capital P professional. Mm -hmm. And this is a much looser clubhouse is my understanding. Uh, I will be fascinated to see how he fits into that. But at the same time, like with a new manager there, we really don't know what the vibe will be. Um, but it's just, it's just a very interesting fit. I hope he brings the beard back now that he's oh, not on the Yankees. He yeah. looked like a baby boy. In New York. <laughs> I agree. I think um, so. People have also pointed out the connection with uh, Pedro Grifol, who we had in Kansas City. Um, uh, so there, there was already some connection there. And I think it's a good point that that he, he doesn't necessarily fit the, you know, I'm wearing 50 chains that both Moncana, Eloy, Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, <laughs> all of those guys uh, have. But that's fine. Like he doesn't need to also do that. But maybe he will. Maybe he'll he'll lean in, and now we suddenly get a, a way uh, swaggier version of Andrew Benintendi, which would be hilarious and great. That right? is, but I don't. I don't that think is it has not to happening. 
No, I totally agree. I totally agree. The point is, is he's there to help this baseball team, which which they they needed desperately. And I'm glad they did because remember when people said, oh, well, Vaughn can just replace Jose Abreu. It's like, okay, but then who's replacing Vaughn? And you've got Andrew Benatendi to replace Vaughn. And that's a very different style. But this is a nice move. Like, I think that in this is honestly in, in the same way that when the Brewers suddenly stole William Contreras, I was like, hey, Brewers are actually having a decent offseason. Like, in these divisions, this, in the central divisions, when there are some bad teams that you really don't have to get that much better in, and when you compare it to how ugly this offseason has been for the Twins, who have clearly gone backwards, listen, we still trust Cleveland the most for sure. Right. But this is this is a really nice move. Like and, and with Ben Intendi, especially you want it for five years. Well, he was one of the youngest free agent hitters available. He's only 28. And I feel like while his offensive performance has been kind of up and down, I like this. I like this fit. I think it'll be solid in this ballpark. I, I like this a lot. I I, I think it's it, it does. And also like 15 million a year is like totally reasonable for a guy who's only 28. Like. I think this is a totally nice move. I don't think it's the best move of the offseason, but I think this is sneaky good. And, and it, it's nice to see that they are willing to do at least this. I'm pretty sure this will be their last move, but I do really like this one. They basically said, hmm, what if we got good Adam Angle? <laughs> well, I, that's that's a little disrespectful to Andrew Benatendi, but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. That's true. Um, so yeah, I, li- I like this move. It, it is, it is a, sort of a curious fit, but... I think it, it raises the floor a little bit there for them. Let's do one more signing and then we'll take a quick break. Jordan, the New York Mets, who have spent the GDP of a large European nation this offseason, spent more money signing catcher Omar Narvaez to a two-year $15 million deal. Now, before we talk about the fit with the Mets and what it means for their catching situation, let's cover Narvaez, who has had a very bizarre last couple seasons. He was a big bopper, one of the best hitting catchers in baseball, 2018, 2019, mm-hmm. well, well, well above average, but yeah. a bad defender. And then yeah. the pandemic happened. Maybe this is a side effect from the pandemic, but he emerged as a bad hitter and an elite defender. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was 22 home runs in 2019, maybe quietly uh, up there for juiced ball seasons, his 22 homers in 2019 with the Mariners. And, and he was, yeah, he, again, we, we talk so much about how low the offensive bar is for a catcher. And I was always so impressed with him watching him in Seattle that year, even whether, whether the power was real or not, like really competent hitter, really quality at bats, doesn't strike out a lot, you know, takes his walks. And then, yeah, it really fell off a cliff, certainly in 20, but we'll throw that out. He was pretty good in 2021, but this past year, it was really, really, really gone. But what, as you mentioned, the framing not didn't just get good, right? I mean, it was it got really, really good in a in a hurry. And if he can carry those over to the Mets, now we can talk about the fit with the Mets with all their all the catchers that they already have. But this is a nice one. And you know, I just mentioned the teams that have signed zero major league free agents. He's the seventh major league free agent that the Mets uh, have signed this winter, which is, yes, the most in baseball by far. Um, they have now spent, of, of course, you know, almost $500 million uh, to do so. And it's a great example of like, oh, this is an easy expense. If we're trying to improve, it doesn't matter what our roster is. It doesn't matter what we're paying James McCann. It doesn't matter. Like we need to get better. And this is a way we can get better, even if it's only a little bit. And that is a great way to spend your money. It's a different way to spend the money than going to get Senga or Verlander or Nimmo or whomever. Mm-hmm. This is a, 
we fucked up with James McKay. Like that is not working out. That is sunk cost. And a lot of teams would just have to eat that shit and play McCann every day or have him on the bench or whatever. Whereas the Mets are going to say, we're going to pay Omar Narvaez to be our starting catcher or maybe our backup or whatever. And we'll just eat the McCann situation. That's not something a lot of teams could do. And I think that that's a, a different type of papering over past mistakes that the Yankees at their peak do all the time. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where it's like, oh, well, we gave this guy all the money. Whoops. Aaron Hicks. Right. Whoops. Oopsie. <laughs> it's, it's fine. We can else. quite literally afford uh, that mistake. Yeah. It's now, true. how does this fit with the Mets catching situation? This is interesting to me. They now have four catchers yes. on the roster. They yes. have Francisco Alvarez, who is the top prospect, who probably DHs a lot. I would imagine in 2023 for them. They have James McCann. We mentioned the big money guy they signed a couple years ago who hasn't hit at all. Omar Narvaez, I would say, is probably the starter. I would think so. Day. I would think, I would assume based on this contract, I know it's not a huge thing, but based on a two-year deal, based on him, you could easily project that he could get back to being better yeah. um, than he was this past year, playing more full-time and being the left-handed bat. That's another big right. part of it. Uh, over Nito, right? This is the fourth guy. Right. Nito, who people really like throwing to, but is definitely a step below offensively, even James McCann, I think, um, over the course of his career. Now, one of these guys has to go. That's the thing. One of McCann and Nito has to go. They can't carry four catchers on the roster. None of them have options. Alvarez probably has to be up at the midway point of this year. At the very least, someone is going to get traded. Or they're just going to release McCann. Those yeah. are really the that, that's the thing. When you mentioned like you know eating your mistakes, like it's possible they just DFA or release or whatever, which is again only something you can do when you are not really worried about spending this much money and you're focused solely on getting the best twenty six guys on our roster, right? And that's clearly what they're doing by signing Narvaez. So I don't know. I mean, you could argue like is James McCann, who was somehow an even worse hitter this past year than I remember, <laughs> 55 OPS plus after a 76 OPS plus in 2021. Is he is he toast? I mean, he's 32. I, I don't really know what his defensive reputation is at this point. Other than I, I'm sure Lucas Giolito would happily throw to him tomorrow. Um, but like, honestly, I, I don't know. Like, because catching is so dire across the league, I have to imagine if someone was paying him the minimum, that is probably what is going to end up happening, whether they DFA him or they trade him and they pay down the whole contract or they give a prospect to pay down the whole contract. I have to imagine someone would take James McCann somewhere. At the same time, yeah, I don't, I don't know where or who that is. But to your point, yeah, they're going to trade one of them. And I, I'm definitely betting it up being McCann based on both the reports and the fact that Nito seems like a good guy to, to, to hang around more than McCann at this point. And then last thing on Narvaez. This is, you know, the Sam Miller tweet. Love this trade for the Rays. Who'd they give up? Who'd they get? When a, a team like the Brewers mm. entrusts the catching job to anyone, I believe that that catcher is is good at defense. Mm. I know we have the framing metrics to back it up, but when like the Rays or Cleveland or the Brewers is like, okay, well, we're trying to win at the margins and a way to do that is to get a good defensive catcher and punt on offense and it'll help our entire rotation. I then will be like, okay, so Mike Zanino is definitely good at helping pitchers. 
right? Yeah. The Rays <laughs> had him, and now Cleveland has him. Mm-hmm. Austin Hedges, I believe that, right? There's a reason that he had a 40 OPS plus, and they were starting him in the postseason. Keep, keeps getting jobs, yep. And Narvaez is now, in my head, that same kind of player. Is sure. There's offensive upside there because we've seen him do it before. Now, <laughs> the most likely outcome is he's going to have like an 87 OPS plus. That would be an be, upgrade. <laughs> that would be an upgrade. And he's going to be so good defensively in a way that Nito and McCann haven't been that yeah. I think fans won't get too mad about him flying out with runners on first and second all the time. He should be batting nine, right? Um, and it's not, or eighth or ninth. And so his offense, any offensive contributions are still gravy, both because the previous uh, people were so bad and because I think that he should not be the focus of the lineup at any point. So, um, all right, so that was, that was a nice, nice, little, nice little move for the Mets there. All right, let's take a quick break, and we're going to come back with a barrage of one-year hitter deals. Again, so much more to get to. We'll be right back here on Baseball Barbacast. Hi, this is Dave LaGreca from Busted Open, home of the best pro wrestling talk on the planet. Here two exclusive episodes every week on the Busted Open podcast. Friday afternoons, myself and Tommy Dreamer bring you the legacy of the territories, a special series looking at the history of what built pro wrestling in the U.S. Then Sunday morning, it's the Masters Class with Tommy Dreamer, Bully Ray, and Mark Henry. Download Busted Open right now on the SXM app, available with all of our trials and popular plans or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here on Baseball Barbacast. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And you're listening. There was a... Hey, man. There is a slew. A uh, cavalcade. An Mm. avalanche. Mm. A landslide. A basket. A bulk of one-year deals being doled out to hitters over the last few days. Some of which, to be honest with you, I missed until I woke up this morning. Because it was Hanukkah. And I was having people over my apartment. I was, you know, making latkes. And then, Come boom. light the menorah. In through my door walked June Lee. ESPN's June Lee, friend of the show, wearing some ridiculous Crocs. And he said, Jake, Justin Turner to the Red Sox. Two years, $22 million. But it's really one year's $8 million with an opt-out. Now, that's not exactly <laughs> how this went down. June tweeted it. And then he showed up at my house for latkes oh. afterwards. But it might as well have been that way. Mm, I was going to say, did he did he deliver you the scoop first before putting it on Twitter? Shouts out to June. Nice little scoop there for June. Love, love that. Love that for yeah. our guy. Love that getting a little, little Red Sox uh, scoopity, scoopity, whoopity poop there. Um, but here's the thing. Justin Turner, uh, let's, talk, we, let's talk about this in tandem with J.D. Martinez. Because the Red Sox and Dodgers have appeared to have made a DH trade through free agency in which the Dodgers have signed J.D. Martinez for a year and the Red Sox have signed Justin Turner for two years, basically one year with an opt-out. Let's talk about Turner first. Justin Turner has been one of the faces of the Dodgers' rise and dominance in more ways than one. One in which uh, maybe the most obvious reason is that his face is, is very memorable. So it's easy to be the face of something when your face has a bunch of red hair on it. Correct. <laughs> it's harder to be the face of something when you look interchangeable like Andrew Benintendi. Yes. Now, a good reminder of how the Justin Turner kind of career uh, renaissance happened is the fact that he's now 38 years old. And his whole peak with the Dodgers, which you know was nine seasons, did not start until he was 29. 
And he signed a couple more contracts there. I mean, this guy through, throughout his 20s was, was bouncing around. Orioles, Reds, Mets, right? You know, he was on the Mets and he was posting, you know, he's hitting 260 with four home runs. It wasn't working out. He goes to the Dodgers and like Max Muncie and many, many after them became uh, one of the best hitters in baseball, quite simply. Um, he, <laughs> I would say that he is is one of the faces of just leg kicks since the, in the post-Joey Bats era. I know it's a little bit different, but when I think about a Justin Turner swing, that is something I, I visualize very, very vividly. And he's just been one of the most reliable parts of the best team in baseball for the last 10 years. From a hitting mechanic standpoint, he is kind of on the front lines of big leg kick, pull side power, catch the ball out in front, mm -hmm. hit it with loft to mm -hmm. left field, get it in the air, let it carry. Mm -hmm. And the reason that he's able to do that is because he has such good back control, right? That he can, what he was elite at before he got good was putting the bat on the ball. And he still has that skill. He was just able to add driving it out and over the fence. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love this fit for him. Justin Turner is the filthiest, grimiest <laughs> player in baseball. He's got the beard. He's got the, the chest hair. His hair's all over the place. He's got the pine tar streak on his back. Mm -hmm. He just looks like he was just finished camping. And that entire vibe is so perfect to be a Boston Red Sox. Yeah. They have a song literally called Dirty Water. That's the song they sing when they win. And Justin Turner looks like he just emerged from a pool of dirty water. This yeah. is Dustin Pedroia, but taller and worse. It's and less uh, aggro, but just all the grimy filthiness. I'm all in. Red Sox are going to win the AL East. And baseball fit. You don't believe that. Baseball fit. Um, also perfect, right? Ballpark fit. I mean, this is a guy who has, you know, regularly give us, you know, 30 doubles, 20 homers. Maybe now it's 40 doubles and, you know, 15 homers. He had a really weird season last year because, to be honest, I was like, this dude is washed. And I would look at his numbers, particularly in the second half, or particularly in the postseason. It was just like a bad couple postseason games. He didn't look great. And I remembered how bad he looked early in the season. But then I looked and I was like, wait a minute, this dude was awful and looked cooked for the first three months and then was pretty awesome in the second half. 734 OPS before the break, 889 after. Um, really, really uh, impressive uh, July and September in particular. And yes, he didn't look great in those uh, few postseason games. But I don't know. I mean, listen, could he fall off a cliff at some point? Yes, he's 38. And when it wasn't looking good last year, it was like, uh-oh, like some of this bad speed is gone. He's missing fastballs right down the middle. Like it was not not a great look. At the same time, I totally agree. And this does also give you some more, more certainty. I will say looking at the Red Sox depth chart and seeing the DH uh, say Justin Turner feels way better than it's saying, you know, Bobby Dahlbeck or Eric Hosmer or whatever. <laughs> The other interesting piece of news uh, related to Justin Turner is that the Marlins gave him an offer well above what he ended up getting from the Red Sox. And Turner essentially said, nah, I'm good. No, thanks. Yeah. And the Marlins, uh, as we mentioned, it seems like they've tried on a few free agents. They have not landed a single one yet. And that is kind of the guy you would make sense to fit where it's like, I need someone that is going to be good at hitting and there's no way he's not going to be good at hitting. 
and they're trying that and it's just not working and it's really depressing. But also, this is one of the situations too, and I think this applies to some of the other fits we're going to talk about. We talk about Brantley, talk about JD Martinez, and even talk about Turner here, is that they're, forget the Marlins. I mean, the Marlins are part of this conversation too. There are a lot of other fan bases out there, including both of ours, who are looking at guys like Turner and Brantley and whatever, and JD Martinez and say, um, that's not a lot of money. Why didn't they just give him that contract? It's possible they tried, and Justin Turner said, hey, I'd much rather go hit in Fenway. Or J.D. Martinez said, hey, I'd much rather go hit with Robert Van Scoyock than your, your random hitting coach. And Michael those relationships Brantley. Matter. Brantley, too. Like, yeah. I'm just going to stay with the Astros. They're the best team in baseball. I was hurt last season. I wish I could have been a part of that. Now I'm healthy. I'd love to still be on the best team in baseball. Maybe I'll take a slightly less money or the same contract. Like, it's not always that simple. You can't always just say, oh, just give him the same contract or slightly more and he'll come. Like... Sometimes these guys would actually just rather be in certain places. Would you want to play for the Marlins? I sure as hell wouldn't. <laughs> Let's talk about Turner and Martinez. You did mention that they uh, swapped places. Uh, this is a wife swap. If you've seen <laughs> wife swap, it's like that. But for DHs. Yes. Dodgers All of their red bats should be on TLC. That's amazing. Both of them. Yes. Can you imagine like you're watching uh, my 600 pound life and it's like, <laughs> all right, we're going to cut in. Live at bat, Justin oh, Turner here comes, facing off. It looks off. like J.D. Martinez up for his third at bat of the day uh, in Colorado. This is like when they were cutting into Judge on ESPN and people were mad that they were missing college football. You imagine DH you're sitting swap. there. Oh, it's, you're watching it's, trading it's, places. It's like, damn it. D.H. swap. Uh, who would you rather have next year? Just one year, J.D. Martinez or Justin Turner? I would rather have J.D. Martinez, I think. And... It's interesting that people are – now, the, the argument for Turner, even though it does seem like he's mostly going to be DHing, they have Rafael Devers there. He's going to be DHing, maybe playing some first base. So I'm considering both of them as DHs, but he could play in the infield still, clearly. J.D. Martinez, it's it's over. He's not playing in the outfield anymore. That's not happening. It never was. He he he, he, he was technically, but he was, wasn't really ever playing out there, right? He is a DH only, and so that is a, a roster clogger in some sense. However, like – I mean, yeah, some of the power numbers were down, but he still hit 43 doubles, just as a oh, career high 43 doubles this past year. Um, and like, he just seems like a safer bet to still be delivering, certainly on the power aspect, on um, the slug aspect, than, than I believe Turner will, although maybe Turner is offset by the, by the, by the ballpark. And maybe that's the other part of this is that maybe the ballpark uh, swap hurts Martinez and helps Turner. In a vacuum, I think I'd take uh, Martinez in a neutral park, but maybe Turner is the safer bet if we're just going ballpark. I think you could go with either one. I think it's really, really close. And I think that these two intelligent general managers were like, uh, yeah, we'll we'll take the other guy. Kind of gives you a sense for how similar at this point in their careers their overall production must be. I agree at the same time. like It tells me something that the Dodgers clearly – almost certainly could have brought in Turner back at this price. And they went for Martinez at one year. Um, it's not like, like there's no way Turner didn't want to go back to the Dodgers, but he got a, a slightly better deal in Boston and it worked out. So I do agree with you. It's, it's really similar. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see if, if, if JD can get back to more homers, you know, reunited with Vance Koyak, whatever. But I think it's pretty similar. He's four years younger, but you know. Now, the thing with the Dodgers is they've been very vocal about wanting to give a spot to the young guys. Mm. And when you look at the Dodgers lineup right now, there's kind of a rotating, this is for the kids spot. (laughs) And that's because Chris Taylor can play anywhere you want him to. So if you want Chris Taylor to play second base, Muncy's at third uh, or vice versa. And then you put 
locks it short, and then you can put James Outman in the outfield, uh, or you could put Miguel Miguel Vargas Mm -hmm. in the outfield, or you could put him in the infield, right? It allows them to mix and match a lot of these young guys that they're trying to give at-bats to. Michael Bush can move, Cody Host, like there are all these guys that they think are maybe good, maybe not. Yeah. And they're going to give themselves the opportunity to find out. Yeah. Top prospect, Jason Hayward. Also should mention him. Not not right. Cody Hosey. Cody Hosey's not, not good. But Michael Bush, <laughs> definitely Michael Bush. Uh Jacob Amaya. Um Jacob Amaya's there. I, I think Michael Bush is awesome. I think he's going to yeah. get legitimate time in the big leagues this year. So that's one I think we should definitely be factoring in. Because yeah, it is weird looking at the bottom of this Dodgers lineup and being like, all right, like really, we're just going with Trace Thompson again. All right. And this it is, worked out. He was great. He was great. On paper, this is the worst Dodgers team we've seen. Yeah, <laughs> in a long, long time. C- certainly, yes, yeah, certainly lineup wise, and it's still pretty damn good. <laughs> still pretty damn good. So it's um, easy to like dunk on the bottom of a lineup when the top of it says Mookie Betts, <laughs> Freddie Freeman. Yes, so I, I do like this for. I think JD will be a good fit, and yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how. Na- now it's an unexpected comparison, but it is a, a DH swap we will be watching uh, very closely. All right, quickly on Michael Brantley, one oh, yeah, year, Brantley. twelve million dollars with the Astros. Yeah. Kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. I If I was another team, like you said, I would have given him twice this. I would say, hey, yeah. or here's 224. Totally. In, the off, in the chance that you're totally healthy, you're going to hit uh, fifth for us and we're going to win the World Series. And Michael Brantley just seems very happy in Houston. Mm-hmm. He was at a UFC punch-punch match uh, last week with a bunch of his Astros teammates. Uh-huh. And it was like, you just, you like it, man. Like, you're happy here. You're not leaving. One year, $12 million. He's going to hit six for them in the World Series, and they're going to win it again, and it's going to be – we already know what it's going to be. This yeah, team I is mean, so formidable. He's so good, and he's so – and, like, he does fill the last, like, obvious hole for them. I mean, they're still trying to figure out catcher, which I'm curious about, but this was an easy, easy, easy uh, retention, and I'm sure it, it was felt on both sides. And, and I'm curious what the split is there for his DH time versus – Corner outfield. We know uh, not GM Jeff Bagwell talked about how he still did want Jordan playing in the outfield a good amount. So I'm sure it'll be a pretty even split there. But it just makes that lineup that much more of a pain in the ass to to pitch against because that's the thing with him. Yes, his power is not anywhere close to what it ever was, and it was never that you know overwhelming. He is just in the same way that like Victor Martinez at his peak or like kind of late prime was just pitching against him was just a complete pain. Like there's, there's two different kinds of like, there's hitters where you're terrified, right? Jordan is, is you're terrified, right? And then there's hitters where it's like, God damn it. Like, this is just going to suck. This is going to be seven pitches. This is going to be eight pitches. It's not just going to raise my pitch count, but when he's going to, you know, dump a single to left field and he is the, the, prime example of that and that's what makes the Astros so amazing is that they have a bunch of versions of that <laughs> all up and down the lineup hitters where you're afraid and hitters where you're simply pestered yes uh he's he's the Altuve Brantley Bregman Alvarez Abreu Tucker Pena McCormick Maldonado but still this is why pretty. again yes no Verlander anymore but like how can you not look at that and still think they're still clearly above the Yankees? And that's why the Yankees still have more work to do, right? But, um, man, oh, my God, Astros. I somehow, like, forgot this Abreu. Not forgot. I just mentioned it earlier. But, like, seeing it within the lineup is like, God damn it. God damn fuck? it. Speaking okay. of work the Yankees have to do, uh, Joey Gallo signs with the mm-hmm. Twins one year, $11 million. Mm-hmm. The Twins bummed me out. Um, this made me really sad on a number of reasons. Another Yankees reject 
heads up to Minneapolis for a team that I, in a bizarre twist of fate, has lived in the Yankees' shadow for the last 20 years. Here they are picking up their scraps. They missed out on Carlos Correa. They missed out on Carlos Rodon. They missed out on Carlos Baerga. And they have pivoted to Carlos <laughs> Dansby Gallo. Swanson. And um, Dansby Swanson. Yeah. The, this team could still win a bad division. When you <laughs> they look could. At them, they easily they could. could. Like, it's a, it's a totally decent lineup. Mm-hmm. Kenta Maeda, if he comes back and he's healthy, the Twins could totally do it. Maybe Joey Gallo figures his shit out. But it's just not the offseason that the Twins fan base was hoping for. And we talked about this last week after the Correa news, how they choose to spend the money they had allocated and offered to Correa would come to define their winter. Now, I think it was 10 years, $275 million. Is what they offered Correa. 285, even, even more. That is not going to be redistributed in full to a bunch of other people. And perhaps the smart move is holding on to some of that and spending it next year. I get it. But it's just such a... And Gallo especially, who I think could still be good. But it's just the 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 headline of Minnesota yeah. Twins. Miss out on, on Carlos Correa, Carlos Rodon. Pivot to most despised player in New York. <laughs> yeah, I mean, calling Gallo Yankee, like, I, yes, he was. I, I don't know. It's a little different than, than you know, bringing in. Maybe uh, my mind is warped. Just walking to that clubhouse every day and seeing him just no, I know. beaten I know. and broken. Well, to that point, though, like, I think Minnesota is a great place for him to be. And honestly, like, that is that is exactly where he should hopefully be able to get right. Um, and, you know, it's not like he's coming in, you know, he's going to be batting third. You know, they still have a pretty solid lineup around him. And the question with them still is with so few impact free agents available out there, do they go the trade route? Do they do they decide, okay, well, let's just sign Conforto? I, and that probably doesn't make any sense. Evaldi's still out there. I think he would certainly you know, deepen their rotation. I think that could be a nice move. But it's unclear how much they're really willing to spend. Sure, they were going to give $28 million to Correa this year. They've now spent $22 million on Vasquez and, and, uh, and Joey Gallo. So I, I hope they still do other moves. There's a lot of Max Kepler trade rumors floating out there because now he looks like someone that they could maybe move for uh, for pitching or, or for, for, for more offense at another position. That's kind of a weird fit. He's coming off two really bad seasons, but I, I think Kepler has some value and you know has a team option for 2024 as well. So they, they are going to do something because like Boston, this is not a team that is ready to go backwards. And because this division still sucks, they need to keep pressing forward in some way. And that's why I do still think they will do something, but I still agree with you. I mean, obviously the ceiling on this offseason is way lower than it was before, but I like the Gallo Gamble. I think it's, I think it, it, in some ways it could pay off maybe more for them in, in comparing them. I'm thinking about him versus Bellinger, right? Yeah. Thinking about those. So I know we often were comparing Bellinger to Yelich because their ceilings were that much higher, but considering how broken Bellinger is, I want to compare him more to Gallo here. You know, Bellinger got, you know, $6 million more, but it's still a one-year deal. Both of those guys, uh, Boris, but yeah, what, what do you think? Like who, which of those guys, I know, I know the Bellinger has more center field defense, but Gallo's a good corner outfielder. Like what, what do you think of that comparison? That's the $6 million difference is that Bellinger is at present a very good defensive center fielder. Yeah. That's, about six million dollars worth sure. of value, apparently. Sure. I yeah. think that Gallo is more likely to figure it out offensively mm-hmm. than Bellinger. Yeah. I think that is because Gallo is more receptive to coaching. I think he is a more intelligent hitter. Mm-hmm. 
And for all the jokes about Cody Bellinger, you know, and the memes, I think that there is a part of that that is true. And it did play a real role in his inability to make adjustments at the plate. And Gallo was more of getting caught in his own head and, and in the worst possible place from two, like a lot of different places. And it all got jumbled. And I think for him, it's about simplifying and being good, what he's good at. And I think Minnesota is a good place for him to figure that out. Yep. The wide range of contracts that Joey Gallo could get next off season is remarkable. <laughs> he could get a minor it's league deal. Bellinger, right? Yeah. Of course. Well, Bellinger, I think just because he plays center field, will yeah. get a major league deal That's next true. season, unless he totally falls off a cliff. But for Gallo, like, if he's just as bad, it's like, okay, minor league deal with the Reds. Next, or next spring training. Or Japan or, is calling. <laughs> or Japan is calling. Or he crushes it, and he's like 2019 Joey Gallo, and it's like five years, $75 million. Yeah. It's it's just such a wide range. Which I'm glad you mentioned five years, 75, because that reminds me, it was so funny to see him and Ben Intendi sign in basically the span of like 20 minutes where Gallo signed first or whatever reported first. And I was like, wow, what a, what a swing for the twins to go for this. You know, maybe it works out great. Maybe not. And then the white Sox were like, let's spend a lot more money, but let's go a little safer here with Ben and get some contact. I'm rooting for the guy. I've, I've always enjoyed, you know, talking to, to, to Joey Gallo. And I, I do want to see him figure it out because he and he was so this was not a situation where he was, you know, lashing out in New York or like like he he gave a lot of interviews. Where he was like, yeah, like I am not in a good place. This is not easy. I know I'm failing. I know I am not delivering like he is well aware of what he did. So I'm totally with you. And I agree. I, I really hope uh, that he can figure it out there. I think it, it could be a really cool spot for him to have a bit of a renaissance. We we see articles pop up sometimes about players who are struggling and then figure it out. Right. I think I wrote one about Rodon last year. Whereas I always commend players for being forthright in retrospect, where you know I wasn't okay, it wasn't together, I was struggling in the field, I was struggling off the field, etc. Gallo took that one step further in New York, where he was saying it at the time. He was saying, I am struggling, I am having a hard time hitting, I'm having a hard time being a New York Yankee right now. And I tip my cap to that level of forthrightness because that's really hard to admit to yourself and it's really hard to admit publicly. And I think that he got a really raw deal because of that. Not everyone is going to work out in every place. And I really do hope he figures it out in Minnesota because he seems like the kind of guy who deserves it. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about the move of the offseason. The Pittsburgh Pirates signing Austin Hedges. Oh my God. Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the SiriusXM original podcast, Black Diamonds. The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were, and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play? Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shaped sport, culture, and society. That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you. Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts. We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life. And we are back, 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 and not gone here on Baseball Barbacast. I'm Jake Mintz. The silence you hear is Jordan Schusterman. Let's run through a couple of very brief transactions. One of these will surely be important next year, but we have no idea which one. The Pittsburgh Pirates signed Austin Hedges, a catcher who is with Cleveland. Any thoughts? 
this is exactly the kind of guy that you would want to have to catch Mitch Keller and Roanzi Contreras and maybe Quinn Priester at some point. Um, it's easy. No brainer. Austin Hedges. They need, they need catch it. Look, Andy Rodriguez will be ready at some point, but Austin Hedges can carry the load until then. The type of catcher that pitchers love throwing to and love talking about how much they love throwing to this guy. We had a free agent pitcher tell us, boy, I hope the team I signs with gets Austin Hedges. Uh, <laughs> next free agent, Trevor May, one year deal with the Oakland A's. Oakland has now signed a few free agents. Ledmus Diaz, Jace Peterson. Here we go. This is the most obvious come close for us. We'll trade you in July trade I've ever seen. But also, I think for Trevor May, who you know had his struggles uh, with the Mets this year, but I think is still a very talented pitcher. Um, <laughs> sort of in the same sense of Joey Gallo, get the hell out of New York and go chill out in Minnesota. Go to Oakland, save 20 games. We'll trade you to a postseason contender. Sounds like a deal. That's you can live in Berkeley. You can live, he's going <laughs> to love Berkeley. living in the Bay. Yes. Rooting for you, Trevor May. Orioles sign. Orioles sign. Orioles sign. Oh, Adam Frazier. Literally the hitter version of Kyle Gibson. Probably worse than that, but in some ways, the sa- it, actually, there's a lot of very, 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 very uh, uh, strong parallels there. Jake, I've watched a lot of Adam Frazier. Over the last year, he did have, I mean, undeniably one of the biggest hits in Mariners franchise history <laughs> with the double against the Blue Jays in the postseason, uh, which was awesome. So thanks for that, Adam Frazier. Other than that, huge disappointment, but he's fine and probably more reliable than Rudnett Odor in some senses, if not not exactly the same vibes boost. Well, that's the thing. O- Orioles fans are like, okay, well, our second base output got like 7% better and the vibes got 90% worse, (laughs) right? Here's my recommendation to Adam Frazier. This is going to blow your mind, Jordan. You ready? Steroids. I think Mm. Adam Frazier Mm -hmm. should just juice. I think he (laughs) should get enormous and just start, just turn himself into Dan Ugla. I don't think he has enough. That, That would be, that sounds dangerous. Um but I love it. I love that. I love that tip. Can you imagine if he showed up to spring training looking like fucking Popeye? <laughs> it's like we, we the, the guy who earned the nickname Captain Slapdick in Seattle spent the offseason just putting transabulbalol in his body and shows up to Sarasota looking like a, 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 a fist. Here's what I'll say. I think he will have many more balls that bounce off the right field fence than instead of caught at the warning track than as they were in Seattle. So <laughs> I think he'll be... Totally fine and uh, unspectacular. If you are drafting Orioles to hit a ball over the wall in left field, mm-hmm. Adam Frazier is your last pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pirates also traded for Connor Joe, who they drafted in the first round like seven years ago. Uh, I actually like Connor Joe. Nice to see the Pirates adding competent major league hitters. Uh, but they traded away D3 legend Nick Garcia, and that breaks my heart. And I hope Nick Garcia um, is a big leaguer. And even if he gives up a bunch of runs in course field, I'm rooting for him. If you don't know who I'm talking about, just go look up what Nick Garcia did for the Chapman Panthers in 2019. Uh, Last transaction that we need to mention is the fact that the Red Sox DFA'd both Jeter Downs and Eric Hosmer in the span of 48 hours. Amazing. Uh, The Jeter Downs one sucks. I did not know how horrible he was until I looked. Like Basically, since he got to Boston, he has been a complete catastrophe. I imagine someone will... will is he just going to get outrighted? Like, is no one going to trade for him? That seems impossible. 
Um, if he's just going to get out right, th- then he truly is broken. Then everyone's watching him and says, okay, well, this is a total non-prospect. And maybe that's why the Red Sox did it. Because they're like, no one's trading for this guy. We'll just put him back in our, get him off the roster. But it just sucks, right? Obviously, the Mookie stuff sucks. It sucks for anybody in prospect to have this big of a downfall. Like, I was so in after his 2019 season. Um, but man, it's been ugly. It's really interesting to compare the Lindor trade with the Betts trade. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> at the time when the mm-hmm. trades were made, the response from the fan bases were very similar. How do we trade away this guy who's so important to our team, to our franchise, to everything that we are? We own the jersey. We love him. He's important to us. The Guardians nailed the return. Wow, they nailed it. You for one, reach. remember, it was the same thing. One year for each. One year for each. They, sure, they would, were going to extend, but whatever. It was one year for two of the best players in the game who meant right. a ton to the franchise. Yes. And the Guardians nailed the return. You can critique the mechanism of the trade and the fact that they were being cheap and saving money and not wanting to uh, extend a franchise legend. All but fair the players points. they got back, they crushed it. Jimenez and Rosario alone is phenomenal. Yeah. Whereas and the maybe, Red Sox yeah. just fucking bungled it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, Verdugo's fine. He's he's good, but I mean, Jimenez like I mean, th- that's that's what you're hoping to do. If you were going to tra- same thing with the Rays, right? Like you need to be trading for someone that is going to definitely maybe not going to be Lindor level, although Jimenez was Lindor level this year, which is crazy. Uh but like you need someone that you feel really good is going to be a big part of your team for a long time in the same sense, even if he won't mean all the same things. And Cleveland did it. Credit to them. And Ahmed Rosario, who's also really awesome, um, even if he becomes a free agent at the end of the season. So credit to Cleveland. And that super duper sucks. Eric Hosmer, who knows if his major league career is over. I mean, the Padres are still paying him. Um, I he He's, why did I, this is obvious. He's going to be on the Marlins. Yeah. <laughs> he's just going to be on the Marlins. Right? Like, this feels like an extremely obvious, um, who is their first baseman right now, right? Because they don't have, Aguilar anymore. They don't have Lewin Diaz. They have, I guess, Garrett Cooper, but like, yeah, he'll be on the Marlins for sure. I think <clears throat> there is one more twist in the Eric Hosmer saga. Mm. I think he has one more year in him to do I think something. so too. I honestly don't. I mean, he was hurt once he got to the Red Sox, so I'm basically ignoring all those games. But like, he's not... He isn't that bad. He's he is bad. Of course, the contract is terrible, and the fact that it's three more years, like yes, obviously, terrible contract. Whatever, blah blah blah. He's not that bad. He's not. I really do believe he's not that bad. Some teams could use him. I just don't know who it is. No player in baseball history has fluctuated more between overrated and underrated than Eric Hosmer. <laughs> he has gone from one to the other like eight times. Is it because seriously, the way people talk about him, you would pull up his page expecting him to have a six hundred OPS. Like, you would truly yeah. do that. Um, and he hasn't at any point uh, until these 14 games with the Red Sox when he was hurt. So, there you go. Eric Hosmer. His Red Sox uh, tenure. <laughs> if you bought an Eric Hosmer Red Sox jersey, do you think anybody bought was that? Was it ever available? Like, you would have had to customize it. There's no <sighs> way it was available. Do you think? I don't know, man. He's I like a... I, no chance. I would say um, no, but if that jersey all-star, just... all-star. Like, he's a... All-Star, like MVP of the All-Star game. Like, did the Red Sox put his jersey on sale in the team store when they signed him? Red Sox fans, let us know. Because I really don't think. We should ask If you own an Eric Hosmer (laughs) Red Sox jersey, email us, baseballbarbercast, gmail.com. You can come on the show. All right, right. Jordan. Yes. That's a good transition. (laughs)
You ready? I'm ready. All right. So baseballbarbicast at gmail.com. That's baseball, B-A-R-B-cast at gmail.com. Uh, last episode, at the very end, we talked about the tragic news that the Colorado Rockies mm. tweeted. Again, I'll read this again. <clears throat> December 14th. Just dropping this news on, at 11 p.m. on December 14th. The Rockies are saddened to hear of the passing of Petey the Donkey, a regular visitor at Coors Field, sending our love to Sea Lazy U Ranch, which is mm. a, a uh, year-round dude ranch in Colorado where you can go, you know, see a bunch of animals. All right, so Petey the Donkey has passed away. Rest in peace, Petey. And we talked about this, and we were like, wow, who? I want to know how big of a deal Petey the Donkey is because the actual Rockies are tweeting about this out of nowhere. Like, this seems like a pretty big deal. It seems like he'd been visiting Coors Field somewhat regularly for the last 10 or so years. Petey was 30 years old, so that's, like, pretty good for, for a donkey lifespan, as far as we can tell. I'm looking now. We got Alana Rizzo responding. She seems really sad. A bunch of people posting pictures of Petey from, from the past, whatever. But all of that is to say, we received an unbelievable email from Michael. And we asked, again, the reason we, we brought this up is that we said, we want to know more about PD. We want to understand that, like, was this a big deal? Do Rockies fans know about PD the donkey? And if so, like, explain to us, like, how to kind of give us, give us a general sense of that so that we can really understand how big of a deal this is. Email from Michael. <clears throat> he says, this is, I'm so excited. Hi, Jake and Jordan. Longtime listener, first time caller, emailer. As a lifelong Colorado Rockies fan, Colorado Rockies fan, I know my fair share of heartbreak, but hearing of Petey's passing on your podcast was almost more than I could bear. I worked for the owners of Petey's Dude Ranch, and it almost hurt more to hear the news from you guys rather than from them. I can only assume the family is in mourning. Probably a fair assumption. The silver lining is that this donkey has received the national recognition it deserves as your community of listeners across the U.S. collectively will bow their heads in respect for an icon. Word on the street is the ranch has raised a second donkey to seamlessly insert into the lineup, a real Trevor story to Petey's Troy Tulowitzki, if you will. The second donkey will also be named Petey and presumably the ranch will try to pass it off as the original. Regrettably, Rocky's Twitter has created a lot of explaining to be done by parents across the Denver metropolitan area. The vast array of children who both follow the Rockies on Twitter and believe wholeheartedly in the immortality of this beast will be violently confused at the conflicting messages they are presented with. Violently confused is an incredible term. I in no way hold either of you, the humble truth-seeking media, that's us, responsible for this. When there is a story to be told, it must be told. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the podcast in all its iterations. It has brought me closer to my family and friends as we listen and laugh together. Thank you so much for creating such an entertaining and informative product. You guys are the best. Sincerely, Michael. Michael, that is very kind. He very goes kind. on to say, I love this. P.S. I figured you'd both find it humorous to know that growing up, I was a huge fan of Brad Hopp, whose autograph yeah, still hilarious. hangs on the wall of my childhood bedroom to this day. And yes, I was a fan even prior to his 2009 all-star appearance. I am a real one. If there was any doubt right. that this email was fake before, I think his 2009 Brad Hopp um, uh, shout out is all you need to know that this guy is a Rockies fan through and through. And uh, wow, lots to take in here. So when you first read this, what were you thinking? So college football programs do this. Like Uga the 
Georgia Bulldog. Oh yes, I think it's I think it's Uga. I believe it's Uga. Uga. Yeah, Uga, but I know Uga. what you're talking about. Yeah, the dog. Right, Georgia, the dog yeah. dies, and they just get a new dog, and they name it the old dog's name. Right now, for kids, right, that is very confusing. I would. My response to this is: if you are old enough to be on Twitter mm. and see that a donkey died, you are old enough to know the truth. You are old enough to understand that there's a new donkey with the same name. Yes. I agree. I think what's really interesting, and he points out that like he heard from us and maybe he didn't see the Rockies tweet. That's fine. But I do find it interesting that the C Lazy U Ranch has not tweeted about this at all. They did not retweet the Rockies tweet. They did not like the Rockies tweet. They've tweeted since this post just being like, hey, like, come check out. So they haven't tweeted about Petey, right? But I am, that's the part where I'm like really interested here. It's like, I think Michael really actually might be hearing what's going on here. And that's like, are they just going to act like Petey is just going to live forever? It seems like that's what they're doing. There's always a Petey. Right, right, right. It seems like there has to be a Petey for this ranch to continue to be, you know, the ranch that everyone knows and loves. Maybe Petey's not dead. Maybe the maybe he's very sick, and the Rockies just jumped the gun. You know that. Oh happens no, with that does sometimes. happen with celebrities sometimes. Oh man, that's a good yeah. point. That would be a tough look uh, for. I the I can't Fox. believe the. Well, you know, it's just like a free agent signing, dude. Like Aaron Judge signed, but the Yankees haven't made it official yet. Petey could have died weeks ago, and they're just waiting to do the presser. Oh, you mean for, for you mean the, from the from the ranch perspective, they haven't yeah. officially announced it. That's true. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's interesting. I'm I'm curious, right? How they officially uh, post like do that transition, or do they just because here here's here's why here's here's what we'll we'll leave on this. Here's why it's weird because say they bring back another PD, right? Yeah. Say that Michael's right and that they ha- they raise a new PD and, and it's PD, right? It's a new new PD, different donkey, but Michael's- new PD. Michael seemed to say that there was a succession plan in place, that they had been raising PD2 to take over from OG PD. Exactly. But the point is, what what he is most concerned about here is next season, if the next PD shows up to Coors Field, you might think PD's dead. Like, PD, you tweet, the Rockies posted that PD is, has gone to the great donkey beyond and so because of that that is the confusion that is the violent confusion that he is describing and i am very 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 curious about how to handle that like like will they bring back the new pd to course field is my question well it's only a problem if they call it pd just name it pablo or you know (laughs) josh you know (laughs) it's just here's roll out a new donkey and people be excited about the a new generation of rockies donkeys Right? People would be amped about that. Chris just made a great point, though. Our producer, Chris, just put this in the chat, which is right. How many PDs have there been in the past? How do we know the one that just died was the original PD? <laughs> was There's the something actually very Soviet PD? Union about all this to me. Like, you know, like how Stalin would like erase people from photos <laughs> after the fact. The truth is very nebulous in, in this situation. Uh, if anybody with uh, the, what is it? The Lazy Dude Ranch? What's C it called? Lazy You Ranch, yeah. Let C, us know. C Lazy You Ranch when I come on the pod and explain. My favorite part, Jordan, is that there was definitely um, a communications meeting 
where they were like, all right, so mm-hmm. let's probably hold off on PD. Like people sat around a table or hopped on a Zoom call. They had to, right? You don't see the Rockies tweet about your dead donkey and not p- respond. That's a I, choice. The lack of response well, says that's something. The thing. That's what I mean is, is the Rockies have, you know, the Rockies, like this, the ranch has a thousand followers, right? The Rockies have 600,000 followers. Like you're, it's out there. Like you can't act like this. Something hasn't happened. They got this information from somewhere. Like, I don't know. This is. Do you think the Rockies uh, confirmed? Like, do you think the Rockies emailed the Sea Lazy You Dead Ranch and was like, yo, Petey's gone, right? And they were like, yeah, Petey's gone. Can we tweet about it? Like, <laughs> please. What happens next, Jordan? Do you. Okay. Here, well, let's end on this question assuming that the Rockies are correct and that there has only been one PD and that that PD is in lion or lion is in donkey heaven. Yep. Does the next PD see the Rockies make the playoffs? Does (laughs) PD number two, the new PD, we'll call it PD Pablo, Josh, the donkey. Mm -hmm. Does that donkey witness Rocktober? In think, his little donkey life. I think yes. I think uh, with the additional wild card, I think I think the Rockies will. Because this is the thing. As incompetent as they've been, they have not that long ago made the postseason. I so I, I do think that that the next uh, Josh PB Pablo donkey will see that Rocktober. You think though there is going to be a Donktober? All right, everybody. Yeah, I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Thank you so much. <laughs> for listening to this episode of Baseball Barbacast. Thank you to our producer, Chris Tyler, for mixing and matching this wonderful show together. We will be back later this week on Thursday. If you have thoughts, concerns, send us emails at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B-Cast. We read them all. We will be doing a big mailbag episode at some point over the next couple of weeks. We will read all of your emails to the listening public. Before we leave, Jordan, any final thoughts? World Cup final, did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. It was it was great sports. Uh, penalty kicks are weird, um, but they in that case they were they were definitely good television at the very least. To me, it was a great reminder how insignificant our stupid little sport of baseball is in the scope of the world. Just the people crying and the pomp and the circumstance and the drama of it all. The Astros beating the Phillies is as important as our local Little League. (laughs) And it's good to remember that. I'm Jake. That's Jordan. Bye. Bye. Talk to you on Thursday. See ya. Sirius XM Podcasts.